I'm rather busy. Now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. You know. Blair, Blair, welcome to our episode on the X-Files. It's vampires. We're in Pennsylvania this week. (laughs) Yeah, so I think it's a little strange that the X-Files, the first popular mythology monster it decided to do was vampires. I mean, it's done werewolves, sort of. Oh, that's true. But I don't know that I would consider werewolves to be popular i don't know when i think of like the you know universal monsters like the back in the day horror films uh you know dracula wolfman the creature from the black lagoon i mean I yeah guess you could say, i i guess you could say the host was kind of their creature from the black lagoon story i don't know yeah i suppose you could say that and i guess we just have to wait for their mummy episode <laughs> uh no we saw scully's mummy in the second episode oh <laughs> Very well played, Richard. So I, I think that uh, it's time to talk about the uh, first uh, – uh, th- this entire story about Scully, the X-Files being closed, and, and then Scully coming back. Because we are now at the point where this is the first episode of the show. The X-Files were reopened last week. Now we have the X-Files being reopened. Mulder does not have a partner. He is off doing his X-Files thing again without Scully. And he is fundamentally lonely and being taken advantage of in a weird way. And I think that David Duchovny is doing interesting work. I think that Mulder's entire character arc here and his sort of emotional journey from the end of the first season to next week or uh, the next episode, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, is very interesting. Uh, do you kind of what? What do you think about that? I mean, I have to say that I hated this episode. Um, yeah, I I it don't. Was- yeah. I mean, was... I don't like this episode, but I feel like I liked it a little more this time only because I feel like there was I was watching it with a critical eye this time, yeah, so yeah. there was a little bit more to actually pick up on than I thought, but for the most part I agree. It's not a it's not a standout episode of the X-Files. I mean, to me this felt like this is the episode that was filmed like they knew that at some point uh Gillian Anderson would go into labor and this was that episode that they did and they didn't really want to waste a good plot on an episode without her and so it is kind of a crappy plot and they don't do quite as much with Mulder being alone as maybe they could have because it would be very interesting to have episode we we have seen some of Mulder alone Mulder not dealing with this how badly Mulder is without Scully but I don't feel like he's doing anything quite so unmoored in this episode. I don't feel like he goes as far into the darkness as maybe he could. They don't, I don't really buy that he's actually in any real danger of losing his soul in this episode. Um, and I feel like if they're not going, they didn't want to go as far into the depths as they maybe could have. And so this does really feel like uh, I'm waiting for uh, Jillian Anderson to return to work so that way we can have the plot again. Um, if if they're not going to give me a good enough monster of... Th- this feels like one of those episodes where the monster of the week was cheesy and it didn't really have any meta plot stuff. And this it felt like a missed opportunity to me. I, I think I agree with you. I, I, I don't think that this is a strong episode of The X-Files and I think just on a, on a pure plot level... Yeah. It I, is, I, I, let it me is put, confusing as to what actually is going on and what happens. <laughs> uh, let me put it this way. I 
it was still I was not sure until the end how many vampire characters there were. And I still don't know if there is a larger world of vampires out there that's implied by this or these were the only four or what. Was 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 Kristen a real vampire or not? I couldn't really follow that part and in a way I don't know if the episode cared enough about its own machinations in that way just it right. just, it was just a very half-assed uh heroin addiction metaphor and I also read that apparently Chris the actress playing Kristen dated David Duchovny at the time that they were doing this so it just felt like an excuse for David to – all right, well, if we're not going to have any real episode, you know, my girlfriend and I are just going to hang out and we're going to do a throwaway vampire story. I mean that's kind of how this episode <laughs> came off to me. I, I mean I don't disagree yeah. with you. I, I, I don't really like this episode. But I, I do think that – I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird to me that this episode makes so little sense because, okay, you're going to do vampires. Fine. But you have to do something different and interesting with them. And essentially what they're saying is that vampires exist, I guess. And there are three vampires that are moving from town to town, murdering people and then disappearing. Okay, that's fine. I'll go along with that. That the the standard vampire stuff about them being afraid of the sun and the sun murdering yeah. them and then they can come back from that because they're magic. All right, fine. They don't have fangs. Okay. They live on blood, but they don't actually suck the blood out of you because how could you actually do that? Okay, fine. So they they bite you and then use a syringe. All right, I'm all with you in that. Where the episode falls apart, like you said, is fundamentally, I do not know how many vampires there are. (laughs) I think that the episode was trying to construct this mystery of who Christian was without actually doing a really good job of actually making the mystery clear. Yeah, Is she a vampire? Is she just a fangirl? I don't know. Well, I think... I, I, the, my read on it, and, and I know it's always so fascinating to talk about, like, how I actually interpreted the plot of an episode, but I think it's so confusing that we have to, that, that from the end of the episode and from Kristen's, uh, a monologue to Mulder in the fabulous Hollywood Hills mansion, uh, that, Essentially, what happened is that she met that guy, the son, which I forget his name. I think she actually said it, but I don't know what it was, Jim or something, that that they met somewhere and that she was infatuated with him and he was obsessed with her. And she is not a vampire. Kristen is not a vampire. She moved essentially to get away from this guy. And he kept he was essentially a vampire stalker. OK, uh, and that they but he also was in this weird vampire coven or whatever. So there were three vampires. There was there was the son, there was the other guy um that looked like that comedian, whatever his name is. And then there's the there's another <laughs> vampire that's a woman that looks a lot like Kristen that actually yeah. isn't Kristen. That, and that, so that the act the two actors look the same, the two actresses look the same, yeah. Right. And so, and so, cause, and the way that I read that is that at the end of the episode, Kristen says that line where she says, Oh, well, I have tasted the blood of a believer. And so I will become a vampire, essentially. I mean, she doesn't say I will become a vampire, but she says, you know, yeah. I will, co- I will live again because I have tasted the blood of a believer. So Kristen was not a vampire. She's maybe fascinated with vampires or something. 
but but at the end of the episode she sets the house on fire to essentially get rid of the vampires and essentially she thinks maybe she'll come back to life but it doesn't seem likely that she will but there was also something like oh you can't kill us unless you're really a vampire and she's like but i am a vampire now ha 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 Right. And so I think that's I think that's where she was going with that is that she essentially made herself a vampire, not because she wanted to live forever, but because she wanted to kill this guy because she found him so objectionable. But but I can get behind that. Right. But like, what are we supposed to do with that? Like the episode is fundamentally interested in that, but it's not clear as to what exactly is going on. And meanwhile, Mulder is acting very, very oddly in the entire episode. Yeah, it's. See, I, part of it is – it is kind of funny because the uh, fifth season of American Horror Story is in L.A. about vampires, very, like, sexy locations. And it is – and addiction metaphors. And it is this story but done well. And so that – this episode looked even more crappy by comparison because it, because of how unfocused it was. Like I said, it just it, – it, it felt like a wasted opportunity. We're just marking time. We need to have a little time in between Scully disappearing and her coming back. So, again, rather than give a good episode where Mulder, unmoored by the loss of his partner and best friend and the most stable force in his life, finds himself uh, in a very dark place on a very dark case and – you know, maybe going too far to solve it, maybe getting caught up in the mystery itself, maybe being seduced by the darkness or anything like that. Well, because I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I think that in general, and then let's talk about Mulder now, because the the way that the way that Mulder's characterization yeah. has been going in the second season, I, I, I find very subtle and I find very interesting because essentially what you have is. The first four episodes of, of the season were The X-Files Closed, Scully off at Quantico Teaching, and Mulder on the wiretapping, and then you know Skinner sends him on one adventure that is kind of an X-File that, that he's letting. He's letting Mulder essentially uh, 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 get a bit under his belt again. And then, so, so Mulder still has Scully to bounce ideas off of. He's calling her constantly. Scully is calling yeah. him. He's relying on her. They have a very strong connection. I think that what, what the entire first eight episodes of this season make clear to me is that Mulder was probably very close to becoming unmoored before Scully was assigned to the X-Files. Scully has become a very very stabilizing force in his life they have a very very strong connection i mean we will talk about one breath because as 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 terrible as three (laughs) is one breath is like the exact opposite and i think it's just an amazing episode for a lot of reasons but no this was a fantastic week just given the complete tonal some of the worst and some of the best of the show in one week it's yeah exactly and and so essentially what happens is that you know uh, scully disappears and then the x-files get reopened and so uh, Mulder is now on the x-files again but it seems to me that in this episode the x-files have held no appeal for him anymore because he has essentially become 
uh, uh, unmoored. He has lost his sounding board. He has lost his partner. He has lost the person that grounds him in a real way, and he has no one to rely on. I mean, I don't think it's incidental in this episode that he is wandering around L.A., which is a very, very loaded place in American culture for a lot yeah. of different reasons. And L.A. at night is a very different place from L.A. in, 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 in the daytime, right? There's there's very different implications there, as, as people that listen to this podcast, I'm sure, are aware of. Yeah. In, in the same way that if this episode was set in Duluth, Minnesota, it would not have had the same implications there is a dark side to la that everyone kind of knows about yeah well there is i mean it's not insignificant that he mentions at one point he hasn't even gotten a hotel room like he is that and more that he doesn't seem to have a place to stay well he Um, says he says i don't sleep anymore yeah uh, and which is a funny thing to say in an episode about vampires but I guess yeah. what's striking me about this episode and a little bit in the next episode with his interactions towards uh, Scully's sister, which I want to talk about, but um, Mulder is being very skeptical. I mean, when, when he immediately says when he first meets the son, oh, this guy's not really a vampire. He's just under a delusion. Um, yeah. You're not really psychic. You can't talk to Scully. You know, that that that's bupkis. Um, this is stuff, you know, ordinarily Mulder would jump at this and scully would be the one who needs to pull him back and say listen are you sure he's really a vampire it could just be a very severe case of porphyria you know these symptoms this and this and this um in a way he is overcompensating for the lack of scully in his life and that's making things worse things become worse with uh the son because he doesn't seem to believe that he's actually a vampire and thinks that just the son will make him uncomfortable. If Mulder had full-heartedly believed this guy, he would have kept the windows covered just to be safe. Right. And I I wonder if, I mean, I don't know if the implication is that this is supposed to be the way Mulder was before Scully was on the X-Files. I I don't know. I think that that the implication, of course, is that he did not have a partner before Scully, or or at least partners did not last very long. And so to me, I look at this and I think, okay, well, he is obviously taking the Scully role. He is being a lot more uh, he's being a lot more skeptical, as you say. But of course, we've also seen him do that before. I mean, look at the episode yeah. uh, Beyond the Sea, for example, where he did not believe that the the serial killer was actually psychic, and Scully was the one who had this very profound experience with him. I mean, we have seen this kind of thing before from him. Uh, one of the, I think, one of the things about the X Files in general is that Mulder and Scully are not they're not one-dimensional characters. They don't always yeah. think the same way, and and so in these two episodes. It is the case that Mulder is being very, very skeptical of both the vampire and Scully's sister, as you say. But I don't think that's out of character for him. Yeah, and no, I also think that that him being sent, he doesn't, well, he doesn't get sent to L.A. He goes there because he has an X-File on it. I just think he doesn't fundamentally believe that vampires are real. I mean, this. let's not forget that, that Mulder is the kind of person that's going to sit around his apartment on a Saturday night reading you know 17th century accounts of of vampires and 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 saying you know okay well this is actually porphyria or gunter's disease or whatever and now he's confronted with the reality that vampires are real or at least kind of real and i don't know that's the problem with this episode though is that it doesn't really do anything with it and it doesn't really it doesn't tell us anything because we already knew Mulder was lonely we've spent the previous six episodes of this season and fundamentally speaking 
the entire first season where Mulder slowly comes to trust Scully. He is very affected by the loss of his sister. He doesn't trust easily. We know all this already. So when he loses Scully, who he has come to grow to, yeah. to, to trust and even love, I think, as we see in one breath, that he becomes skeptical and, 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 and suspicious again, which is fine. But the show, this episode in particular, yeah. doesn't really do anything with it. Yeah, it, it maybe it had some good intentions, but for whatever reason, they didn't do a real episode for this time. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know though. I mean, there there are moments of the episode that I think work, and I I I don't know. I mean, this was written by James uh, Morgan and Glenn Wong, so or Glenn Morgan and James Wong. I forget how that goes. Uh, and I think this was one of the last episodes of the show they wrote, which of course is not a great way for them to go out, but. You know, I, I just, I don't know, I guess I just don't know what fundamentally they were doing with this episode or what they were trying to say. I mean, I almost, maybe even this was an episode that had initially been written with Scully in mind, and then it was, they needed to write the episode without her, and why not use that one, and they stripped her out. Maybe there was a deeper part to the episode that I mean, is, do, is do, just lost do you, in translation. I don't know, I... I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, know. I don't to see just, that. Yeah. I, I don't see that because I think this episode, yeah. it seems to me that this episode was designed around the idea that Mulder was going to be in this very dark place after Scully's disappearance. I mean, the episode starts out with him opening an X-File on Scully's disappearance and placing her, her glasses in the file. Yeah. Now, I don't know if that's really the way to treat evidence. I don't think it is, but whatever. It makes a nice visual, it's a nice visual statement. But, and also the office covered in, in plastic tarps and him uncovering it again. Okay, the X-Files are reopened, but what does this yeah. mean? We don't know. And then we just get this mess of an episode that is supposed to be indicating that's, that Mulder is very, very lonely and very, very depressed, but doesn't really do much with it. And and I think, you know, also part of it has to do with the fact that, you know, we haven't really talked about the character of Kristen very much. I don't know that there's much to say about her. Partially, I think it's because the actress playing her is just not, great at this she's not really given any sort of internal life and i don't really get a sense that i mean why does Mulder? why is Mulder so attracted to her to begin with and why is Mulder so obsessed with her we we never get an answer to that other than he needs to be for the episode to end yeah yeah no they don't have a and again for a people who were dating their chemistry is only okay right like they they it's just kind of there she they're hitting some very specific notes. They need to tell an addiction story. So we need to have the nice girl who, you know, got into this world and can't get out. And, you know, she could be saved. But unfortunately, her demons get the best of her. And she found, you know, that it, it, it's a very cliche addiction story that they're just hitting the right notes on. And I, he, I don't know, though. I don't I don't know that I agree with you that it's an addiction story. I, I, think I mean, that, they have syringes. They're in a club. They're talking about how, you know. Oh, have you ever tasted blood? It's wonderful in these rapturous tones. I mean, this is this is this seemed like it was junky monologue number forty-seven. You know, but I but I, I don't know that you're getting at the deeper. I mean, I, I guess I'm arguing for this episode now, but I, I don't know that you're getting at the deeper meaning of that, which is that it's not an addiction story. It's fundamentally a story about broken people that are lonely. And well, you know, why do people take drugs? Yeah. Like we're we're sort of get you know, I mean, they they take drugs because they're unhappy with their life. They're lonely. They're depressed. They they're poor. Like whatever reason it is, people don't take drugs because their lives are going yeah. well, generally speaking. And so, 
Kristen being in this vampire club or whatever, I don't think is an indication that she wants to be a vampire, or that she's obsessed with the vampires or that she wants to drink blood or what the fuck ever. I just think that this is an affectation because she's lonely. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I guess it's it's somebody. It seems more about somebody who was lonely, had nothing, thought experimenting with vampirism would be the way out of that. It turned out not to be, but her, they the damage has already been so done, and she is too far out to get be saved from it. Yeah, yeah, and then of course she she murders herself at the end of the episode because of course if you're addicted to heroin, that's the only way to get out is to murder yourself. <laughs> well, a lot of times, unfortunately. I guess the last thing I want to talk about before we move on to one breath is that do you fundamentally understand why Mulder goes back to the house? I I don't get it. I don't know what's going on here. I know I keep saying that I don't understand what's happening in this episode, and I don't, but. Is it just a case of are we not watching this carefully enough or is this actually a mess? I mean, I definitely think it's just it's a mess. And well, I'm going to put it this way. Um, Throughout one breath, I don't think I looked away once. And so I I, it's during the episodes of the during um, the host, I was on the edge of my seat that entire episode. It's not like I am incapable of paying attention to an episode, but right. that that to me suggests that this episode didn't do enough to hook me. It was we only talk about the plots of these so every uh, only so much, and I will admit during some of the worst X Files episodes, I have stopped paying attention to the this is what happens next parts of the plot in favor of looking at you know more of the character stuff, more of why it's failing, and so sure. If I'm not getting why Mulder went back to the house, I think that's a failing of the episode. But it's one that didn't really uh, – at, at, at the same time, if I knew the reason he went back to the house at the end, I don't think it would make me say, oh, actually this was a really good episode. Right, right. Because I mean like there's that indica- – I mean there's that thing about the, the, the bread filled with blood and the oven and that that means that she's trying to cleanse the house and he lies. Yeah, what the- was that? Ugh. Well, he lies to the police. He says she's not coming back and he knows that the blood indicates that she is coming back because she's trying to cleanse the house or whatever. I don't know. It just – it's all very – it just seems to me that the episode is designed to get Mulder to a certain place and it's not taking into consideration the actual – uh, mechanics or desires that he would need to have to get there. And maybe part of it is just that Scully is not there and we are used to Mulder explaining yeah. how he's thinking out loud. I don't know. Maybe the show just doesn't work when Scully's not there. That I, I think that's an excuse because not a, you know there are plenty of shows that have intricate plots without a Mulder and a Scully and we are still able to understand why the characters are doing what they're doing. Well, I mean, I, 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 I think there are other ways that he could have, if, if that he could have made certain of his motivations clearer to the audience. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I'm not Even, saying that the, yeah. the, the show could not do it, but, but maybe the writers are just too used to telling that type mm. of story. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. They just don't. It didn't seem like they knew how to tell a story that was just Mulder. Right, right. And so what we get is is this. Three, well, I, or as I like to call it, P. I mean, even the name of the episode is like, <laughs> and there were four vampires. That was the worst part. But, but there, there were, were four vampires. I know, I know, I know. It's it's it's. 
Please, work- can we move on to One Breath? Because I'm really happy about that episode. Okay, let's move on to One Breath. <laughs> why, why, why are you happy about One Breath? Well, because it was really good. Um, oh, my God. This episode is just... I mean, fuck. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I would love... I mean... This is what I was talking about when I was saying that the second season of The X-Files is just elevating its game to such a large degree that I can't believe it's the same show sometimes. Like, the the first season is fine. The first season has some good episodes. I think that, like you said before, Beyond the Sea was maybe the first glimmer of, of the other show yeah. that The X-Files was going to become. And now what you get is this this deeply beautiful meditation on life and spirituality and, and, and you know what it means to die and what it means to love somebody. And and then it's also mixed in with the whole like yeah. meta plot of the of the of the mythology and the mystery of who the the cigarette smoking man is and who this character X is the new deep throat and it's what exactly a, is going on with Skinner and it's just it you know a and it's dense got, episode like yeah. again these these are two very meaty plots just one on a plot level one on a thematic level and neither of them feel like they are encroaching on the other's screen time. Um, both of the and both of them feel like they are properly dealt with. Like it's a very it's very economical in that way too. I I I guess where do we begin on this? Is um, I, I don't. Know. I mean, like, yeah, I don't even know. I I, I, <laughs> I have trouble. I'm having trouble getting into the episode only because I don't know where to begin. I mean, it's so dense. Well, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Scully's uh, appearance then. So, so she was gone for one episode and now she's back. And of course, she's not really back. She's she's in a coma for for yeah. the vast majority of this episode until the very end when she wakes up and everything's fine. And you know, next next episode or the episode after that, she's going to be back in her trench coat with Mulder going off to Dubuque, Iowa, and they're going to be yeah. solving the the you know mystery of the exploding head guy or something. Uh, so that's going to happen. The show's going to get back to some sort of normalcy after this eight episode. Uh, arc about Scully and Mulder being separated. Now, but the interesting thing is Scully is not in this episode. Really? She doesn't speak in this episode until the very end, but, but she is such an outsized presence in this episode. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's, all of the scene, because when she's not, because the entire plot is every single scene hinges around Scully being in a coma and what are the ramifications of that both I, I, on the Mulder and the family side it's dealing with you know what what are the ramifications of this person who we love who is a shell who has said that when she is at this point she would prefer to be taking off the off of life support what does that right. mean what does it right. mean to l- let go of somebody that we love what is all of that and the Skinner and Mulder sequences are all dealing with well Scully is out of the picture in a way that is as a victim of this gigantic conspiracy that is going around and taking care of all of her lives and what is our next move and how do we deal with this how do we counter this what kind of sacrifices do we need to make morally in order to avenge the ones that we love who have been unfairly hurt by this. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, maybe the maybe a good place to start then is is to to talk about because in a way this is kind of a, a sequel or a spiritual sequel to to Beyond the Sea. Yeah, and you know, Beyond the Sea was a sort of deeply meditative episode that had a lot of you know implications for for Scully's character as a, as it was developing, and um, you know, her family was that was the first time we've met her parents. Mm. In this episode, we see her mother again. I think for the third time, we 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 meet her sister who we have not seen before, Melissa, and. You know, the implication here is that they all know who Mulder is. That Yeah, that he's 
practically one of the family at this point. He is one of the family. I mean, you know, there, there's that line at the end of the episode when they, they're about to take Scully off. Well, yeah. not at the end, but, but towards the end of the episode when they decide to, to honor the terms of, of Scully's living will and take her off life support, take her off the ventilator. And, you know, Scully's mother says, this is a moment for the family, but you can join us if you want. And so that's a very interesting phrasing yeah. to me because it indicates that that if if her mother doesn't consider her mother doesn't consider Mulder family. Her 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 mother doesn't really know Mulder, doesn't really not that she doesn't trust him, well, but she does she just doesn't know him. But she knows that Scully has this deep. kind of deep, almost indescribable relationship with Mulder. It's not a romantic relationship. It's not yeah. a friendship. It's it's who knows what it is. And she realizes that she would want Mulder there. Well, you know, in a way, it's not really Scully's it's not really Mrs. Scully's place to say whether Mulder is a member of her family or not at that point. Uh Dana Scully has made that decision and it's her way of resp- I mean she she puts it in this context of you know, you respect my daughter and I respect her too and I respect her wishes. She wanted this for her living will. And by implication, she views you as a family me- as a member of the family, and so by the transit of property, I view you as a family member, even though we're not that close. That's you're in this with us. If you want to be a member of this family, the call is on you, not me. Because yeah, that's what happened. Dana already made the D- Dana already made the Scully family vote on this situation. Well, I think I think that that's clear, you know, from the moment it's revealed that that Mulder is the the witness to her living will. I mean, that is that is that is obviously usually the 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 role of a family member. You know, if you're going to have a living will, you're going to have your spouse or your mother or your father or your brother or someone witness it for you, not your coworker. And and I mean, it seems churlish to call the Scully Mulder relationship a coworker relationship, but that is essentially what they are. I mean, that is how they know each other. That's how they operate in in the vast majority of instances as colleagues that work together. Although they are more partners than coworker, because they are they're they do have a very particular flavor of coworker relationship. I would say, though that said, you're you're right. The super category is of coworkers. Yeah, and I mean, I, I do think that there is a. There, I mean, obviously, I, I don't think that it's a surprise to anyone that that law enforcement officers, you know, the partner relationship is obviously going to be a little different from most coworker relationships. Yeah. I mean, we've uh, seen how many movies about that. Yeah, my my coworkers are not usually uh, in life or death situations with me, so that that's a difference there. But I I I want to say that for me, what is so fascinating about the ways in which Mulder has become part of, of Scully's family is that we still have not really seen any of Mulder's family. And and aside from Samantha in flashback, you know, we don't know, we've never met his mother. We've never met his father. We, I don't even think we know that he has any other siblings besides Samantha. I think the implication is that he does not, but they know all about, yeah, yeah, well, Scully comes from a family, a very strong family. She's got her her two brothers and a sister. A relatively large, yeah, family. Yeah, they 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 talk about. I think it's interesting that you know, just just I mean, what does it mean that Mulder and Scully constantly refer to each other by their last names, even to the point that they don't want their family members referring uh-huh. to themselves by their first name? I mean, 
she has made it clear that Scully has told her, Dana has told her, not to call Mulder Fox. Yeah. The sister even – that's if the sister is to be believed as being able to talk to Scully, you know, at that moment apparently Scully is letting her know not to, you know, not to call him Fox. And it's – especially with that reminder, it almost seems like whenever the mother calls him Fox, it's a slightly pointed use of the word but well because i i think that 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 her mother calling Mulder fox is an indication that she's saying look uh whatever relationship you have with my daughter is one thing i'm gonna have a different relationship with you and so I, if i want to call you fox i'm gonna fucking yeah. call you fox it is also the kind of thing where that is almost a cliche you know on tv where one character is always known by the nickname, but the main character's mother always refers to him by the full name, you know, to right. g- to characterize her. There is, so there is a little characterization of Skelly's mother in that. Um, yeah. On a side note, here's my fanon. Um, here's my little theory. The Scully women are mildly psychic. Obviously, Scully is able to commune with the spirit of her father in Beyond the Sea. Scully's mm-hmm. mother in the episode where Scully gets missing has this dream about her being missing and seems to no seems to be feeling something when her daughter is actually taken and now you have the the sister who is very much claiming to have some psychic gifts and know that. So I think there again this is some of Mulder's arbitrary skepticism, but I think there is a very mild form of the gift within the Scully family. I mean, I, I I don't disagree with that. I, I definitely think that's a possibility. You know, I, I don't know that that's anything I've ever thought about before, but I like that idea, and I think it fits in with what we know about the characters. Yeah, now, they're not going to be very strong. Maybe they really can only communicate with family members, but still. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I want to. There's there's a couple things there that I want to go into, which are kind of related to that. Which is uh, Scully's adventures in in Dreamland. Yeah, <laughs> in what in what land? Coma land. Oh, coma land. Okay. I thought you said something else. And then... Uh, <laughs> I wonder what. I'll never say. Uh, and then also the the story at the beginning of the episode about yeah. Scully's uh, uh, snake. And I, I, you know, well, I always wonder about this because, you know, The X-Files has this reputation for being a very sort of um, meditative show. And I think you're starting to see that. Yeah. It is. There is, again, coming off of... I am seeing the Twin Peaks uh, influence very strongly, but there is a – it's much faster paced than Twin Peaks is, but it does have a lot of moments of very dreamlikeness or very languid pacing, very broody, very melancholy and ambient. And I guess what I love about this story is at the beginning is this is such a – cliche story right somebody hunting for the first time and they shoot a deer and they see this beautiful creature die and then they realize the gut but it's it's a snake it's something that we're explicitly told that dana was scared of as a girl that nobody would a garter snake nobody finds majestic really or but that she is still weeping over this is a very strong statement about i mean this is a woman who would ultimately become a doctor who would Base, base her life around pres- the preservation of life, who in stretch, you know, what side are you on? The victims. I mean, it doesn't matter that this is a snake. This is a victim of something that she did. And yeah, yeah, I really loved that they took this again, what could be a very cliche 
uh, version of a story and twisted in such a way that it becomes its very own beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's very true, and I I think that it also relates very nicely to to Scully's struggle to 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 stay alive because yeah. you know in a sense the the beginning of the episode establishes her her strong where you know it's maybe the roots of her strong protection of life instinct the fact that she became yeah. a doctor the fact that she uh, uh so strongly believes in 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 saving people and saving victims i mean it, also the fact that she's extremely competent as we've talked about i mean she's she's graduated from medical school and also gone to the fbi academy and is a practicing uh practicing doctor well not a practicing doctor but she's a she's a, a do- accredited doctor and she also is a, is an fbi agent i mean this is not something that i think happens very often and, so, and she's training other people too so yeah she is can she has a very high yeah yeah, but then, but then, of course, in this episode, she's she's the one whose life is being threatened by by external forces that are beyond mm-hmm. her control. And I, I think maybe I want to lead into you know moving into sort of the mythology storyline a little bit more because yeah. it, it it seems like it's separated, but it's really not. I mean, we get an indication here that, and I want to talk about Skinner as well because my God, but. Um, <laughs> The implication here is that there are events going on that have have really nothing to do with them, but at the same time, uh, there is a I don't know. It's almost the sense that that Mulder and Scully are the the, the pets or something of these well, people they're, that they're kind of they're still they're still rookies to all of uh, all of them. How long has Cancer Man been conspiracizing? You know, he's been doing probably he's got forty years of this stuff under his belt. Mulder yeah. has maybe ten and. Scully only a year or two. Um, Deeper Throat's when he's saying that, you know, you need – Deeper Throat basically says if you want to be at this level, you need to be doing certain things in this episode, specifically killing another, um, that Mulder is not necessarily willing to do. So he is never going to be able to – so Mulder is finding difficulty crossing the threshold into the next level of the conspiracy because – in a way, this conspiracy is by people who are so morally corrupt that you have to, I don't know, be a certain level of evil to ride this ride, right? I mean, they they talk in this episode a lot, oh, you're becoming a player. Oh, they talked about this as a game in a way, and you need to have a certain level of risk to get on this, that Mulder is perhaps trying to be virtuous enough to not be. You know, in, in, in other words... In order to stop this conspiracy, you need to have a certain amount of virtue and morality. But in order to learn about that, the conspiracy, you have to compromise all of those things. And he's really struggling with that. I, I think that's right because one of the things that I always come back to is the idea that, uh, you know, when Mulder confronts Cancer Man, the cigarette smoking man, in his apartment, mm-hmm. which I don't know, that, that seems to me to be a little bit of a, a of a front because does he really live like that? But, <laughs> I mean, he spends his evenings watching old movies on television while drinking beer and smoking cigarettes. I mean, I guess, maybe, but it doesn't seem likely. Well, part uh, of the uh, – well, t- I guess part of the implication is that – I mean, he does say, you know, I'm doing this because it's what's it's what I think is right. And maybe it, it gives a different shade to the character, because what if this is what his life is? He's not doing this for glory. He's going he's on a government employee's salary, probably a lower one just to keep up appearances and therefore isn't getting a glamorous house. He doesn't have 
a ton of power. He has a little bit, which he'll admit to, and right. probably more than he's letting on. But at the same time, he is not the most powerful man in the world. He goes out on the street. He has no badge that he can flash. He has right. no – nobody recognizes him. Part of being so secretive is you don't have power on the street. And it, it, it gives a sense that will make – it gives a sense of things being so much less clear cut. He's not doing this because he's evil and corrupt. He's doing this because he knows certain things that are that fucked up that they need to be protected. But he is evil and corrupt. I mean, well, yeah, that's the uh, uh, again. You have to the, this. He he is ask. He is causing us to ask the questions of how evil and corrupt can you get while still doing the right thing? And I think the show certainly believes that he has crossed that line. Sure. And certainly one of the reasons we are following Mulder is because he is a person who will not cross the line when push comes to shove. He's not going to kill the two hitmen waiting for them for him, even though, I mean, if you want to talk about a snake, I mean, the, the, the two people who are going to raid his apartment that he decides not to murder – are not good people, and yet that is still crossing a line for Mulder. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think that that's partially the point of the snake story in general, is yeah. that it, it it's talking about the ability to, to murder with impunity without really having any sort of moral compunction about it or guilt. And it, there there's this idea of the game, there's this idea of players, you know, and, and A Deeper Throat X says that, you know, he has no desire to uh, die. Uh, he is not at Mulder's beck and call Mulder is at his beck and call. Yeah. He, I think he calls him his, his piece to use or something like yeah. that. He is, you know, he says like, you're my, you're my piece. You're my, uh, um, uh, you know, on the board or whatever, or something like that. And so there's always this, this sort of idea throughout the episode that, that Mulder is just a, a piece of a, of a game. And, what you need to do, of course, in a game is not get, to win is to not get emotionally invested. You need to uh, keep your eye on on the end. You need to be able to play well and not get wrapped up in in emotional responses to things. And that is definitely not how Mulder uh, responds. I mean, the very beginning of the episode starts out with him screaming incoherently at the doctor. You know, yeah. where did Scully come from? Who brought her here? Why is she like this? And Mulder is a character that, that obviously wears his, his emotions on his sleeve a lot of the time. And so to me, I say, okay, well, Mulder's greatest strength and Mulder's greatest weakness is his connection to Scully. The, the hmm. fact of the matter is that he wants to protect her and that he is not able to write her off. And I think the reverse is true as well. You know, the cigarette smoking man, he's going to murder people. X, he's going to murder yeah. people. Uh, everyone there has probably murdered a bunch of people. They don't care that, you know, X assassinates someone right in front yeah. of Mulder, shooting Ex him in the head twice. It's called an, Skinner calls it an execution. Yeah. And so to me, I say, okay, well, they don't care. You know, they'll murder whoever. They're not real people. They have to think that way because otherwise they're going to be consumed with the guilt of what they've been doing. Yeah. And, yeah, and perhaps, they... no, I was going to say, and, 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 and perhaps what it really comes down to is that Mulder is going to be able to win the game because he is going to fundamentally change the way it's played. Yeah, well, he is going to stick to certain principles that uh, the others are using it as justification. I mean, you do get the sense that cigarette smoking man says, well, this is evil, but what, you know, my, my justice is more right than this in a way it, it, it excuses this. They're looking for excuses and really Mulder's the one who thinks the prime directive is inviolable. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yet I think it's interesting. The, 
I, I, I mean, the Mulder, you're, you're my piece on the board from uh, Deeper Throat is that at the very end, the conversation between Skinner and uh, Mulder, when Skinner's talking about his experience in Vietnam and how he had a near death and just this, uh, he killed a child soldier and it just completely fucked his entire worldview as it would. And he basically says to Mulder, listen, you're able to go to these realms, the realms of the paranormal, normal, the supernatural and other in ways that I can't. Right. And there is almost a tacit partnership. In other words, Deeper Throat can kill people with him without having a compunction against it. Skinner can navigate the bureaucracy openly, and Mulder is the one who can deal with aliens without going completely fucking insane by the thought. I mean, mm-hmm. they there is almost a sort of we're all on the same side, and so maybe not using each maybe they need to figure out how do we not use each other as tools but realize i mean it would be very nice if these people would learn to trust each other enough to be a team because they would be able to probably get a lot more done there would be a lot less fighting well i i I think that's right but but to me that's not this world yeah well well what skinner is an interesting character obviously because he is someone that has obviously he's not been on the show much i mean i think this is his you know fifth appearance sixth appearance something like that he was a character that was sta- established very late in the first season he's a relatively new character yes yeah, a season two character largely. and and largely yeah and what they've been able to do with his character in in these first eight episodes of season two is just astounding to me that that he is an ally of Mulder's, even though Mulder didn't realize it and that to me skinner is someone who is very very interested in bringing down cigarette smoking man he's realizing exactly how fucked this this conspiracy is mm-hmm. and that he is someone who who trusts Mulder, who believes in Mulder, who thinks Mulder is a good agent but does not believe in coddling Mulder. and Mulder is the type of person that wears his heart on his sleeve he's yelling at people all the time he's going off half cocked he's doing everything that Mulder does that we've seen in the the you know the first uh, uh, uh season and a half or so of the show that we've watched Whereas, you know, and, and so to him, Skinner seems to be someone who's a company man who uh, doesn't trust him, who is involved in this conspiracy. He sees the cigarette smoking man and Mulder together all the time. But what we've seen, especially from the, the moments that we have seen Skinner by himself or with the cigarette smoking man without uh, Mulder there, is that he does not like this guy. He does not trust this guy. Mm-hmm. He has reopened the X-Files. He is working. He gave uh, Mulder his address, right? I mean, and there's so, the really nice moment with the thank you for not smoking sign. And, you know, that that little pissing contest between the two of them was great. Yeah. It was fantastic. And, you know, it's basically no words that it is the case where I think Mulder is slowly starting to realize exactly how strong of an ally he has in Skinner Mm. and that there are other ways to go about uncovering this conspiracy that do not involve ranting and raving like the newscaster and network. Yeah. In a way, Skinner's kind of teaching, teaching Mulder how to be an adult. I, I think so. And I think that, it will be interesting to see what the Mulder and Scully dynamic is now that she is back. Is yeah. it going to change? Has Mulder been has Mulder been changed by his experiences without Scully? Has Scully been changed by her near death experience? Those are going to be open questions that I think are going to be very interesting to see the answers to as season two and beyond goes forward. Yeah, again, especially as a we are partially. I am partially watching this to see how these storytelling techniques were 
used in earlier form. The show made in the mid to late 2000s would have had very definite character changes, and they're not these are big enough events that they are not going to be unaffected by them. So it will be very nice to see how are they, how, how are they handling the character changes that are going to happen from these gigantic events? Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, speaking of, of, of character changes or perhaps not, um, lone gunmen appear in this episode again. Yeah. Uh, I liked them a little better. I think that this is fro Hickey showing up in yeah. that ridiculous suit. <laughs> With flowers for Scully is yeah the moment that I think the lone gunmen start to come into focus. Well, I, I and I also really liked the moment when they're talking about the this disease and they're they start off in total nerd mode. Well, it says this and this and then, you know, Mulder's asking, well, you know, is she going to be OK from it? And then they stop and then they kind of almost realizing they're talking about somebody they know and like. I mean. It's not incidental that a lot of people in this episode talk about how much they like Scully. Both Skinner and the Cigarette Man say they like her. I don't think that's, you know, she does almost seem to be the person that, you know, she is this closest this episode has to an innocent hurt by this conspiracy in a way. To some degree, yes. I mean, she was not, everyone that's involved for the most part has, has asked to be involved in it. Yeah, Scully did not. I mean, Scully was assigned to the X Files. Uh, you know, not of her own volition. She chose to stay, of course, and she chose to help Mulder in the first yeah. six episodes of this season uh, while teaching at Quantico because they had this relationship that had developed over the previous season. And so, she is someone who obviously has become invested in this, but she is not someone who asked to be a part of this. And I think that there is a desire on everyone's part to see her come through this okay because a they really really respect her they really like her and it is the case i think as well that the lone gunmen are i mean frohicking in particular you know yes he he thinks scully is hot or whatever and he's showing up to pay his respects to her but it is the case where i think you're starting to see that the lone gunmen have more of a internal life and they're not just like a one-off joke uh, uh, uh thing about the show that is going to get developed in further episodes, and I think in a very interesting way. Yeah, I think, they're again, the first time, yes, they were intended to just be a one-shot. Oh, hey, there's further we can go with this. The second, they don't really have quite the tone yet, and it's more just a, you know, is it good when we bring these people back? Yes, okay. Third time, now we're starting to get into who these people are. Yeah, yeah. And I think the last thing to, to talk about, maybe, or, or, or one other thing to talk about, we would be remiss if we did not discuss, uh, and I don't know that there's a lot to say about it, but uh, Nurse Owen, like some, yeah. some some kind of spirit that is guiding Scully back to reality. I Her mean, guardian angel. I kind of sold Richard on doing the X-Files because it is a commitment and it is a long show. I mean, it's uh, 10 seasons, soon to be 11, plus two movies that it's 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 a very catholic show and i think that in this episode particularly i think you are starting to see that a little bit i mean guardian angels are perhaps not exactly a catholic thing but it is the case that it's a very spiritual show and it is very respectful i think of religious belief in a way that is uncommon for a lot of science fiction and the idea of 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 scully having a guardian angel is just is just interesting 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's not so much – this episode isn't so much about religion as it is a kind of spiritualism. I mean, we're not dealing with matters of theology or dogma, but there is the implication that there is I, – I, I mean, why not? We've got vampires, we've got aliens, we've got uh, human-sized leeches, we've got brains that can – uh, control mentally disabled people psychically. Why not there being a benevolent presence outside that is looking out for and loving and caring for the characters and that every so often, you know, the supernatural can be a good thing and can be a positive thing. I think that is a very nice statement to make. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, I think that it's just nice that this episode has so many different layers and that there are so many different things going on and that Scully's journey here as well, because we really haven't even talked about Scully's journey and sort of what is going on with her. I mean, obviously it's this idea about her soul or her spirit being pulled for, into the afterlife or not. Yeah. And that scene with her father, which is kind of indicative of the idea that, okay, she's not ready to go yet and that she is not ready to move on. She still has work to do and relationships to, to engage with in, in the world that she's not ready to die. I mean, they do leave it, – it is ambiguous enough that, it, yes, it could just be these are all fever dreams that Skelly is having. She is just imagining in Nurse Owens because once she was sick as a kid and there was this woman there and that's that's simply all it is. She could just be thinking of what her father would say to her. After all, at the end of Beyond the Sea, she did say, I didn't need to talk to the psychic serial killer to know what <laughs> my dad thought of me. He was my dad. I knew. Uh this is what he says to her is stuff is along those lines is stuff that she knew her dad felt because he was her dad. It could just be as simple as that, or it could be this moment of her communing with something greater and different than herself, and yeah. which is bringing her back. And the episode and the show's focus on faith suggests that. Um, the answer is whatever Scully chooses to believe that is it is going to be really. That's really what matters at the end. She can view she had this experience. She can either view it as you know coma stuff, or she can view it as a mystical experience that was genuine. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's nice, and I think it's smart that the show leaves it at that and leaves it as mystery, and it's not solved. Yeah, well. I don't think we're going to see Nurse Owens reappear. But no, I don't think so either. Well, uh, maybe the last thing to talk about or mention before we wrap this episode up, because we would be remiss if we did not also uh, mention the fact that apparently Mulder puts a period after his name. Like what? Who does I that? Well, when he when that. he writes his when he writes his resignation <laughs> letter, he's got Fox Mulder period typed in there, and then when he signs his name, he also puts a period after it. So apparently, Fox Mulder is not his name; it's Fox Mulder. Wait, well, maybe it's like short for Fox Mulderowski or something like that. <laughs> you know, he's abbreviating it. Yeah, Fox Mulderama. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I just thought it was a strange thing. I've never seen that before. And I'm like, what? what is that supposed to mean? Like, Well, the thing, the good thing about the X-Files is that every week, you know, on a good week, you will see something very strange that what does this mean? What is this? So this week we saw Mulder ending his name with a period. So... Wow. Paranormal, you know, paranormal activity, missing, uh, aliens found, and weird grammatical orthography. <laughs> uh, 
how are you feeling about the X-Files? Are you... I'm having a great time. I mean, uh, 3 I was not having a great time with. I don't think I even really enjoyed 3 as a, you know, it's Friday night, this is a silly, you know, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, But they can't all be zingers, and I am feeling much better in Season 2 than I was in Season 1. Yeah, I mean, at some point we'll have to talk about, you know, if you think the X-Files is, is, is doing fundamentally different things especially in an episode like one breath than than it was in the first season uh but this is maybe not that time because we've yeah. been talking about this episode for for a long time already but i i just think that that to me this this is what i mean when i say that the x-files is is just a wonderful television show and mm. it can do it can do things like this that that still over 20 years later just just leave me breathless i mean not not to uh not not to make a pun but it's just it's such a beautiful episode of television and it's so well done and it's just so grounded in really 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 strong character work that the show has been doing that i i just i i'm always blown away by this episode i i just think it's it's one of the finest episodes of the show and obviously there's a lot more to come. The show becomes even more experimental than this, but it's doing it's it's willing to go different places and willing to do different things and willing to to blow up its uh blow up its its premise and then come back to reality in a way that I think even television shows now have become uh, not able to do and 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 not willing yeah. to do, you know. I mean this uh, in a lot of ways this episode reminded me for some reason of The Body from Buffy. Um, yeah, sure. Which is and and again, it's taking a very you know, oh, it's taking a mundane scenario, uh, the death or the coma of a family member of a loved one, the possible loss, uh, putting it into a. I mean, the the science fiction or the supernatural elements are very light in both episodes. This is not so much about the. Uh, you know, this is an ep- aliens are the window dressing for the. Uh, for these questions about faith and how far do you go to and all of those things. And I mean, that is part of the reason it does feel very relevant still, because even though aliens as a concept was a trend from the nineties, aliens is a metaphor for all of these things, which still do exist, still will always exist. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. And I I am very jealous of the cigarette smoking man though. Why? Because he's seen presidents die. (laughs) Maybe we will. Who knows? (laughs) All right. Well, I think we'll leave this episode of tuning in there. If you have any thoughts on either of these episodes, three or one breath, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at tuninginshow.com. You can check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash truckaboutshow if you would like to support our podcasting endeavors financially. It also supports our other podcast, Truckabout. This week, we did release an episode on the Star Trek Voyager episodes, Maneuvers and Resistance. We are well into the second season, and those podcasts are coming along very nicely. So please go do to trekaboutshow.com and check those out as well. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we are in all those places. Tuning in show is our username in all those places. And as always, please leave us an iTunes review for tuning in. It is the best way for new people to find the show, and it makes my dog Hank feel great. Next week, we are back to normal with the x-files scully is back the x-files are reopened and we are going to be delving into firewalker and red museum mac why do you